Bible, it is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Now thanks be to God, who always, somebody shout always, always. who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Somebody say in every place. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, this is going to be our third sermon uh, in this series that is centered around our theme, the year of great triumph. And uh, we're going to continue with our subtopic of walking in spiritual triumph. You know, I said earlier that this word was inspired uh, to the Apostle Paul to write uh, these words after he was going through so much in his life. You know, being persecuted, shipwrecked, beaten, left for dead, in prison, all that. And I just wonder, how in the world do you still feel like God is leading you in triumph? You know, sometimes you're going to have to feel like you're triumphal even while you're going through. You can't wait to get through to feel like you win. You got to act like you're winning while you're going through. So what I'm trying to get you to see this triumph is a mindset. And you got to have that mindset no matter what your circumstance and situation is. Because life don't deal everybody a situation and some circumstances. But you got to believe that in them, I will always So we define the word trying is to gain victory. Somebody say victory. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Gain victory, success or achievement. To overcome. Somebody say to overcome. To overcome or to prevail. Last one, trying. Wayne just got to talk about this. is to rejoice or celebrate over victory. You know, if you... If you Won something, somebody won something, they celebrate. You know, teams that won last night, celebrate. Teams that won last week, celebrate. And what I want you to see today is that whether we know it or not, you can buy in to someone else's victory. In other words, Trace, is that Stacy sitting back there? Stacy's a Georgia fan. He ain't played one lick of football with Georgia. But because they won, he act like he won. You know, he walked around, he wear that victory like it's his own. And he didn't take not one snap, not run, block nobody. But he bought into the victory that his team got. And because he is a follower of that team, when they win, because you are a follower of Jesus, when he wins, that's the mindset you got to have. You got to act like you don't want just like he don't want. And so what we got to see is that normally when someone wins ex and experience victory or success, they usually follow up with some type of rejoicing. I think they had the world's greatest parade yesterday over there in Georgia somewhere. They, they folks showed up like crazy. Crazy. Over a football game. Crazy. Wayne been up here for 20 minutes trying to get us to get a look over Jesus. I mean, of what he's done for you. 
And so therefore, there is a time for you to celebrate what he has done for you. And you can't be ashamed to celebrate that. Amen. So give the Lord a hand up of praise. Hallelujah. I know, I know some babies say, you know, we go to church, we, didn't, we don't have to do all that, but the Bible says clap. The Bible says shout. So the Bible says do it, we just do it. Amen. It ain't about your feeling. It ain't about what you were brought up in. It's about what the word of God say, and you're allowing the word of God to dictate to you what needs to be done to glorify God. Amen? Now, last week, look at this. Last week, we learned from Luke that we triumph in Jesus' authority. He's given us authority, so we got operated in that authority. We learned from Romans that we triumph in Jesus' love because he loved us and he loved us so much, nothing can separate us from that love. And we close with Corinthians where we found out that we triumph in Jesus' resurrection. If we don't embrace the resurrection, everything else we do don't mean nothing. I mean, we just a, a futile religion like any other belief system. If the resurrection is not real. So you got to triumph in knowing that you believe that that is real. Amen? Now today I want you to go to my first turn is 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm probably reading you here in verse 1 through 6. And I want you to see from this we triumph when we realize our weapons of warfare are spiritual and not carnal. In other words, you ain't fighting with your flesh and your worldly ideas. You got to be fighting with things that are spiritual. And here we find the Apostle Paul defending his authority to the believers in the Corinthian church because there were some Judaizers or some people who were coming out of Judaism came into Christianity who thought that Paul was wrong and weak for not requiring the Gentiles to follow the Jewish laws and customs. And so they had been talking about him in a negative way, slandering his name, because this church was very divided, so therefore Paul was trying to set the record straight and let them know that he was not some carnal-minded preacher who was out doing his self-seeking mission and not the mission of the Lord. And so here we find him addressing that group. And from his remarks and, and the way he engaged them, he lets us know that spiritual warfare is real. And if spiritual warfare is important for us to understand, you're not going to win there with carnal ideas and, and carnal way of doing things. And so you've got to buy into the thing that in order to win spiritual warfare, you're going to have to get into the hearts and minds of people. Y'all need to say amen right there. The battleground is the hearts and minds of people. If you can't change the hearts and minds of people with the power of God and the word of God and the spirit of God, then you're going to have a hard time when you're out trying to spread the gospel. Because you got to tear down some things that these people have been dealing with all their lives. Some things they have been taught that may have been wrong, but they have embraced them as truth. And if you don't know the truth and don't have the power of God on the inside of you, you'll start trying to win this battle with your flesh instead of with your spirit and knowing that we're in spiritual warfare. Look at this. I'm in verse 1. He says, Now I, Paul, appeal to you with gentleness and kindness of Christ. Though I realize you think I am timid, in person, and bold only when I write from afar. In other words, Paul said, you know, y'all think that 
when I text y'all, I'm bad. I sound bad. I write bold. I write stuff that, you know, come right at you. When I wrote for the first letter, I had to come right at y'all because, you know, y'all was corrupt. Y'all had all kind of stuff going on in the church. And I had to put some things in place to correct that. So when I wrote that, some people say, well, you bold when you text it. But when you hear in person, you kind of wimpish. You're in a little wood. And I had to look that up in the Urban, Urban Dictionary to find out it's okay to say that. It just means somebody who's scared, a coward, timid, don't want to do nothing. And so they was calling Paul. They man, look here. Paul had to make set the record straight. I ain't no chump. I ain't scared. But I'm holding back some things to give you guys a chance to get some things right. And furthermore, I'm not going to fight you the way you want me to. I'm going to let you know this battle is spiritual. So he said, now look, he said, you know, y'all see I'm timid in person, but I'm bold only when I write from afar. Well, I am begging you now so that when I come, I won't have to be bold with those who think we act from human motives. In other words, Paul said, my motivation for doing what I do in the gospel is not for my own gain. I'm not doing this for benefit of myself. I'm doing this because the Lord called me to do this, and therefore he called me, and I'm doing it for him, not for me. This is not about me, Paul is saying. You guys are making it about me. This is not about me. This is not about my human reputation. I, I know who I was before the Lord called me. So I'm not trying to make a name for myself. And see, there's some time when, when people can do what God called them to do, but they do it from selfish motives. And therefore, it becomes all about them and not about God. They overshadow the one who sent them. And so therefore, Paul is saying, look, this is not about me. I'm not doing this from my own human motives. Verse 3 says, we are humans. How many say amen to that? But we don't wage warfare as humans do. In other words, Paul is saying, look here, you got to first realize that you are in a war and, and living in this life that we're living as Christians, this is battleground, not playground. And I think a lot of Christians come to church think it's a playground. They think that we're on the playground, toying around and riding the merry-go-round and all that type of stuff, instead of realizing, hey man, this is warfare. You at war with forces that you can't even see, and you walking around here acting like everything's all right, you better wake up and understand that there's some things going on that you don't even see, but your spirit got to... Y'all better hear me today. So we don't wage war as humans do. For we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds. Now, he's going to immediately tell us what strongholds is. He used a military talk to paint a picture. Strongholds are you know, fortified territory. Got a wall around it, hard to get through it. They're fortified. And what he's saying is that there are territories in the side of people's head that got some strongholds in there. And in order to tear them down, you've got to use spiritual you can't get there in the flesh. And so you got to realize that the battleground is for people's hearts and minds. So therefore, don't you get in your flesh and start getting in your feelings when you're dealing with the people that you're trying to convince 
that Jesus is real. You got to take an argument that can tear down all the things that they have been thinking about Jesus, thinking about the resurrection, thinking about the gospel. You got to know how to tear that down in there. If you don't change their thinking, change their thinking, you would not change the person. That's why the Bible tells we have to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And so therefore he's saying, look here, you got to tear down these things and you got to use God's weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and to, 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 to destroy false arguments. You know, sometimes when you go and witness to a person, they always got some argument why they can't see Jesus. Well, I, I just can't feel that. I, you know, I don't, I, I, you know, sometimes they want to play. You know, I just done did too much, you know. You got to know how to tear that argument down. You ain't did too much. What you did? I mean, who told you it was too much? Who don't who don't put you in that position and you think that you done did too much for you to accept the law? Or you gotta wait till the time is right. No, you can't wait till the time is right. It's, the devil ain't gonna never let the time be right. You know, if you wait till the weather's perfect to plant, you'll never plant anything. Sometimes you're gonna have to do something when it's cloudy outside. And so we're saying that look, you got to know how to tear down the strongholds of people's mind and their imagination, their thoughts. Because if you can't tear those things down, they're going to leave you thinking the same way they were thinking before you got there. So while we run around here jumping and shouting and praying, we got to have some word enough so we know how to tear down some strongholds. And people, especially when you're talking to young people today. I mean, they're highly educated and they got minds that are very analytical and you know they're very thoughtful in everything they do, but they will question everything. They'll question everything. But if you don't know how to tear down that stronghold in that young mind, then you're going to go there and you're going to be ineffective when you're trying to talk to them about the gospel. So you better study up on some things so that you know how to tear down. He talked about human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. See, we destroy every proud obstacle that keep people from knowing God. So whenever they come up with an excuse why they don't need to know God or whatever argument they use, you got to be able to tear them. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. See, when people don't want to accept the gospel, they're rebelling against the truth of God's word. And so therefore, you're going to have to do some work on capturing those thoughts. And then you're going to have to teach them. They ain't going to just want to. You got to teach them to obey God's word. Your children don't just want to. You got to teach them to do certain things. If you think they're just going to want to do everything that you want them to do because you're their parent, you better wake up. You better realize the warfare that you're in. You're going to have to teach them some things, and you're going to have to start putting the right things in their mind. You've got to stop letting the internet and all these things they play on the internet control their... You ain't putting nothing in their head, but they're getting everything off their phone and off that computer. And then now, you don't know how to tear down every argument that somebody done put in their head while you sitting there. Oh, they're going to be all right now. The longer that thought and that idea and that imagination stay in them, the harder it is going to be for you to get it out. It's going to become a part of their life. 
So he said, you got to capture that rebellious thought. You know, young folk just rebel. We did it when we was young. Somebody had to stay on top of us to keep us on the right path. So therefore, we got to do the same thing with young people today. It's just a, just a process. But during that process, we got to make sure that we are dealing with their and we can't do that if we ain't staying current ourselves with our mind. We may be getting old and gray, but we can't stop learning. I mean, some of y'all don't stop learning because you done got 55, 60, 65, so you feel like, no, no you better still learn and read because you're going to need to know how to connect with folks, but you can't be reading the Wall Street Journal from 1935. And look at this, verse 6, he said, And after you have become fully obedient, we will punish everyone who remained disobedient. Paul said, look, I can't, look, this is tough. He said, now look, I can't come back there and jump on Wayne because he dissenting against the group because he wants to still practice Jewish custom, custom. And if I jump on Wayne, with half of y'all still cutting the food. He said, until y'all get it right, then when we all get it right, then we can take care of Wayne. We can punish him. We can deal with him. But I can't deal with Wayne when Wayne's saying, Pastor, you hitting me, but half of your church doing the same thing, huh? So until you come in obedience, sometimes our disobedience keep God from moving in situations. Now look, let me read that again. After you have become fully obedient, when you grow up, start living this word that you've been taught, then we will punish everyone who remains. So he's talking like everybody sitting out there has still got a little disobedient street running. And you want God to look over your disobedience because you think you're the small compared to somebody else's maybe large and want God to jump over on Wayne and don't touch you? Oh, man, I wasn't supposed to get that deep into that right there. I'm supposed to gloss over that because I know you start talking about that. Folks start to squirming in church, but let me move on. <laughs> let me move on. Because we're talking about how we win in spiritual warfare and how to triumph. Now, Ephesians is very familiar. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Y'all got to get this. Ephesians chapter 6. Very familiar passage of scripture. We're going to read 10 through 18. We learn that we triumph spiritually when we put on, somebody say put on, the whole armor of God. You're not going to win if you don't put on. So many people out there trying to fight, but they ain't put on. You got to put it on. And you got to understand that the armor don't belong to you. It's God's. And if he gave it to you, I'm, gotta, I'm believing that he didn't already tested it and know that it is battle ready. But it won't work unless you put it on. So if you don't get nothing else out of what I'm about to read, just remember the word put on. Because until you put on, you're going to still get whooped. Until you put on. A lot of times you wonder, why am I going through? Ah, you didn't put on. You done got up this morning, you ain't put on nothing. You just went out there in your fleshly clothes and 
dressed like, you know, yeah, worldly thing. You worldly ready, but you ain't spiritually ready. Because you ain't. Y'all in verse 10, this is what he says. He says, a final word. Be strong. Somebody shout, be strong. How many times when we're teaching this lesson, that word strong keep popping up? You know, it popped up in the Old Testament, now it done popped up two or three times in the New Testament. And this word strong. So it must be something important that God is trying to get us to see. You can't win this warfare if you're weak in spirit and in mind. You got to be. He says, now be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. So it's not your strength that's going to win the battle. You just need to have a mental attitude to know that you're strong enough to win the battle because of who you represent, because who empowered you, and because of what's in you. So it's not your strength that's going to win. You're operating in someone else's strength, but you got to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So if it don't work, it ain't on you. If the, if the, if the, if the weapon don't work, Major, you, ain't, you can't just go back to God and say, God, why did you give me this gun that didn't shoot when it was supposed to shoot? Why did you give me this shield that didn't work? It didn't stop nothing. But the reason sometimes we lose, we never identify who the enemy is. And a lot of times, Wayne, I look at you and I say, Wayne is the enemy. And in reality, you're just a shell that maybe represents something behind you that I need to be dealing with. You're just an instrument, and I'm using Wayne as an object lesson, that somebody else is using. I have to discern what is he using to get you to act the way you do. And until I can discern what he is using, I'm going to be attacking you in the flesh, and that ain't going to work. I need to know what's behind Wayne, what's causing him to do the things he do, to think the way he thinks. I got to understand that there's something behind that, and then once I find out what that is, that's what I need to attack. Whatever that thing is, lust, whatever, you call it, you name it, you know, hatred, you know, whatever, whatever that thing is, that's what needs to be attacked. He says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. But that means that the devil is a planner. He's a strategist. He don't just arbitrarily do things. He got a plan for how to take you out. And if you don't know anything about him, you don't know how he operates, and you know nothing about his plan. And so therefore, if you know nothing about his plan, that means that he can manipulate you to do what he wants you to do, and you won't even But if you know his background, you know that he is a liar, you know that he is a thief, you know that he is a manipulator, you know that he is rebellious, you know that he is your adversary. The more you know about him, the better you are going to be able to defend yourself against him. The devil got strategies. But what you got is greater if you put it on, bro. Got to put it on. So you may not have known that before you got here today, or you may have heard in years past, but today I just want you to learn with me that from this day on, in this point on in time, when you get up every morning, when you get ready to go to work, you better put it on. You need to get your, you know, y'all put everything else on y'all mirror. When you want that house, you put the house on the mirror. You know, I want that. You, everything you're dreaming for, they told you, put it, 
put it on your mirror, let you look at it every day so you can get it in your mind and see it before you get it. Well, I'm trying to get you to every day when you get up, put, it, put all these on there. While I'm standing there brushing my teeth, I'm putting on. While I'm washing my face, I'm putting on. I want to put on everything that's on this list so that when I walk out this door, no matter what the enemy brings, I'm ready. Because I'm walking out prepared. Even when I'm on my way to church, you got to, on Sunday morning, you can't wake up and say, oh, I'm going to church. Then now you got to put it on. Because he'll show up right here. <laughs> yeah, I let your guard down because it's Sunday. Everything will be now. I agree with you. You know, I, I know what it's like when you, when you leave home and everybody ain't want one accord. Because they didn't put it on. Didn't arrive to church as hell. Then we come in and put on the right smile. They got it going on. Now they ain't put it on. That's, that's the fake right there. You just wait till they get back in the, in the car. They're going to pick up right where they left. Because they didn't put it. Verse 12. We are not fighting... Man, he keep using this military language. I mean, to keep letting us know that this is a fight against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly place. So the devil got a, look like he got an army. He got folk that sit in high places. You know, he got people that you can't even see, things that you can't even see working on his behalf. That's why you got to have a spiritual mind in order to understand when you're dealing with spiritual, dealing with spiritual things. So therefore, there is an enemy out there, but the fact that you got an enemy is not supposed to put you in fear. You're supposed to know that if I put on what God told me to put on, I'm going to be all right no matter what the enemy threatens me. Yeah, they sit in high places. They sit in low places, too. You got folk everywhere. Amen. Just like God worked through people, guess what? The devil do, too. He got some demonic angels and all that other stuff that got kicked out of heaven, but a lot of times, he already got, in, got into the hearts and minds of people. That's why the Bible always talks about people being blinded by him. He get into their head, he blinds them. Therefore, when they are blinded, you got to fight through that to get them to see the truth of the gospel. But if you don't know how to deal with their blindness and see what's blinding their thinking and see what got them thinking that way, then you're going to have a hard time tearing down strong. Oh. Now look at this. Verse 13. Therefore, put on. Somebody shout, put on. That second time he said that. Put on every piece of God's armor. Not some, not most, but every. Somebody say every. So that means that every day when you go out, you got to be ready for warfare. He says every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. That's the end game. You know you're going to have to go through the battle, but how are you going to come out? So after the battle is over, I want to make sure that I'm, I have the right things on me so that I will be standing after the fight is. Man, I don't care that you had to go 15 rounds. 
Your fight may be longer than the next person's fight. But at the end of the day, at the end of 15 rounds, you better be still. How are you going to go for 15 rounds and then you end up on the canvas? The end game is for you to be because you're going to have to go through the attacks of the enemy, but the Bible says you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. But if you don't know how to put up resistance, then therefore he's going to walk right over you. And in order to put up resistance, you got to put on Somebody say every piece. You got to put on every piece of God armor so you can keep standing after the battle is over. Then look at this. This sounds this sound like a, a, a slogan I heard some time ago. You know, people in Florida, stand your ground. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so the Florida done told you, Kent, stand your, stand your ground. In other words, they're saying, Kent, you're a homeowner when you're in your house. Stand your don't, don't let somebody just come in and take your stuff. You got a right to. And some of y'all are equipped to stand your ground. Y'all can go chick chick, click click. Y'all are ready to defend your house. But are you ready to defend your temple? Can you stand your ground when the enemy come against you in this temple? Mike got me out there trying to learn how to stand my ground. You know, once a month I go out there and try to shoot and figure out how to stand my ground, man. I'm tired of getting my fingers cut on that thing. And that. Man, these fingers ain't stronger than they used to be, man. I'm going to have to give me something that's just quick, man. That you ain't got to do all this pulling and stuff. But I pray I have to never use it in the house, but, but I got one. Stand my ground. But I got this to stand my ground in the spiritual arena. Amen. Amen. So he says, stand your ground, put it on the belt of truth. Now, I'm not going to go through the symbolism of, of all the, the items that he used that were part of the Roman warfare, probably Roman soldiers' armament. I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to hit on the principle that he's trying to get us to see. So he says, stand your ground, put it on the belt of, somebody say truth. So you got to be armed with truth. Truth is found in God's word. And the truth is the only thing that's going to come against the lie. And you got to know that the devil is a liar. Jesus said he is the father of lies. So if you don't know the truth, you can't combat the lie. Because a lie said long enough, people will believe it as That's what's so dangerous about the internet now because people can go out there and start saying things over and over and over and over and over and other people start repeating it over and over and over and you little old innocent minded Christians come and read that and don't have no spiritual discernment and you think that is instead of doing your own research to find out what is going on around you and the world you live in you accepting someone else's thought process as being true when you don't know enough about the word of God which is the word of you got to be armed with truth in any situation you want to get to the truth What's the truth? Even when you're dealing with your kids on certain things, you just want to just tell me the. If you just tell me the truth, this thing could be over in a minute. But if you keep him and hard and lying, it just frustrates my grace. You frustrate my grace. If you just tell me the. 
Don't make me have to work to get the truth. Just tell me the. And God said, when you go to battle, you better know the truth and you better know how to defend the truth and you better know how to show people in the word of God what is. So truth, one thing. Then he says, the body armor of God's righteousness. So the next thing you got to have on is the righteousness. The body armor, the breastplate, some of your Bibles call it. Righteousness. You got to know how to do right by God and do right by people. You, you got to understand that God expects you to be righteous. He expects you to try to live a godly life. And so whenever you get up in the morning, you got to take a little righteousness. It's all of us. Now, I ain't just talking to you. I'm talking to myself. We got to take a little righteousness with us. Not self-righteousness, but the righteousness of God. We want to be in right standing with God when we go to war. You don't want to go to war and you ain't in good standing with the one you represent. So therefore, I ought to be right with God before I come and execute war against somebody else. So if me and God is not on the same sheet of music, then I'm guilty of trying to execute something from someone that I'm not in agreement with. So he said, you got to put on the body armor of righteousness. Then he says, verse 15, for shoes, put on peace that come from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. So look here, everywhere you go, you got to take a little peace with you. You know, in the Hebrew language, the word shalom is the most widely recognized and widely used word. They say it going and coming all the time. They, you see two people meet each other, shalom. When they depart from each other, shalom. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Now, why do they say that? Well, I'm coming to shake hands with Lashon. I'm saying peace. I'm coming in peace with you, so I'm greeting you in peace. And then now when we get through transacting our business, I'm going to say shalom because I want us to go in. I want us to take peace to the meeting, and then I want us to leave peace with peace on my way out. So that as I go out in the world, I'm always walking in this mindset of peace. I don't care if the world is chaotic all around me. I still got to have peace in my mind. I can't let all this stuff you read in the news and see in the news stop me to get so perplexed in my mind that I no longer realize that, hey, Jesus said he left me his Man, we get up in the morning and don't think about putting on peace and then our day is chaotic and confused because we ain't operating in peace. And maybe we ought to just start shalomming a lot more around here. So we come to church, everybody know I'm coming in peace, shalom. Brother James, when you feed him at the door, greet, shalom. So we know everybody, hey, we at least thinking of hey. Instead of saying just hello, hello ain't working. Maybe we need to say shalom or peace. Give him the sign, peace. I guess that means deuces now, too. But you to be peace, you know. Hey, man, come in peace. We got to have peace with one another if we're going to fight together. We can't effectively win against the enemy when we're in disarray and we don't operate in peace. So he said you got to have shoes to put on, and those shoes are the shoes of peace that come from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. Then, in addition to all these, hold up the shield of, to stop the fiery arrows of the, so faith 
is a shield that is supposed to protect me. And so, for other words, faith is saying, when I take faith with me, I am believing and I'm trusting in the things that God tells me. I'm believing and I'm trusting in his word, and as I trust his word, I'm going to be able to deal with the fiery arrows that the enemy is going to shoot. And guess what those arrows are aimed at? They aim at the most vital parts of your body, your heart. And if you don't understand that, then you will be protecting the wrong thing at the wrong time. The enemy ain't normally, ain't nobody been taught to shoot at feet. That ain't how you wage warfare. They ain't tell us we was in the military, you know you aim at it. I know you aim for center mass, you hit the head in the head. And we around here. So what you got to understand is that God is telling us the things that we got to do by what he's telling us we need to put on. So he's saying you got to have this thing that will protect you, this shield that can ward off some of these things that we shooting at. Fiery darts ain't that. You know, every time you ain't going to see no little demon angel right now with no arrow in his hand. Gonna be folk with their mouth. Folk with their mouth. Just shoot. Oh, they just say that about me? Okay. See, when you fight in the feelings, feelings want to go deal with them. But when you fight in the spirit, you just say, and I thought, he don't even know what he's talking about. That don't pertain to me. What? I ain't going to wait to sleep. I know the truth. And if I know the truth, it don't make no difference what other folks saying. So when fire darts come, I just, because they're going to come. It don't matter who you are, they're coming. So when they slander your name and you know you're a good person, you know you've been living in accord with the word and you walk around with the gospel, they slander Paul's name. So every now and then, just because you're a good person to come to church on Sunday, don't mean somebody ain't talking about you in a negative. So you can quench the fire down. Look at this. Then 17 says, put on salvation as your helmet. Wow, now we're protecting that thought process, that mind. So when you put on salvation, that word salvation have a lot of meanings there. You know, it could mean to rescue, to protect, to save, all those things are connected to that. And so what I want you to say is that salvation is something that we believe that we all have because we accepted Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. When you put on salvation every day, you got to be strong enough in your mind and in your heart and your head to say, hey, look, no matter what come against me and my faith, it ain't going to take my salvation away from me. I'm eternally saved. I know who I belong to. So therefore, even in this warfare, if I get wounded or die, I know where eternity is going to be for me. I'm not fearful of dying and fighting. I'm just fighting because I know I'm, I'm going to win this thing. But if, if just by chance, my mind is strong enough to know that I know what I believe and I know the cause that I stand for, and that is in my heart and in my mind. And so therefore, as those two things understand that, I can't let the enemy get here. Man, I, I can't, you can't let him get here. You know, I don't said this analogy a long time ago, ladies, man, I said this, man. I don't know how they play the game today, Wayne. I ain't out in the streets. I don't know how the game is played in the world, you know. But back in the day, 
Our game was all about the mind. You know, we brother Babe, you'd sit around at the club talking. I'm going to get a mind. You know, I get a mind. Her body don't follow. I just got to get her. And the devil is still using those tactics today. If I can just get those Christians All I got to do is get them to believe a half truth. They ain't got to believe the whole lie, Wayne. They just need to believe a half truth, which is a whole. And if I can do that, I can get inside their head, and once I get inside their head, I can start them to doubt everything that they have been taught. Everything that they say they believe, I can make them doubt this resurrection thing. I can make them doubt Jesus, the Son of God. I can make them doubt believing that there's a heaven and there's going to be this thing called eternal. So you're going to have to understand, you've got to know what your salvation stands for and that you are saved in spite of. That no matter what happened to you in warfare, your salvation is secure and you eternally, you have a place in heaven. It's already been recorded. Then after you do that, he says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, everybody know everything else is used to defending you. The sword is the only one that's using to fight. You can fight. And see, when they talked about this, the writer in Hebrews said, for the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. You know, it can separate something. It can pierce and, and it can divide even the soul from the spirit and the discerner of the thoughts. In other words, this way in this world can get inside folks' head and it can discern their thoughts. And that's the weapon that you got to fight with. And he said, look, Wayne, this is a double-edged sword, not a one-edged sword. See, sometime in the old days when they had them double-edged razors, Y'all, them old-fashioned razors, you got to be very careful with double-edged razors. Because any way you pick it up, you can get cut. Amen. You get cut on both sides. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say, God's saying you got a weapon that you can cut coming. Major, all you got to do is swing. You ain't got to try to figure out, I got the right side up there so I can cut it with it now, baby. You come, I'm just swinging. Because every time I hit you, I'm cutting something. Now I ain't talking about physically cutting people up. I'm talking about cutting down them them thoughts in their mind. You got to pull out them strongholds. Now you got this word and you're just cutting down them strongholds in people's mind using the word of God. Not your words, not your philosophy, not your way of thinking, but using God's word as a weapon to tear down strong. And look, he saying, now look, after you take the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, then he says, you got to pray. Pray in the Spirit all times and on every occasion. Now, praying is a weapon. And the reason you have to pray is not just, you know, you're praying for yourself, but you're also praying for one another. But the, the bigger reason is prayer is your communication link to the commanding chief. You get orders through your prayer. So therefore, when you pray, God can give you instructions that you need to use to finish the battle that you're in. 
But if you don't communicate with the one who assigned you this task, the one who have you in this battle, if you're not communicating with him, then it's going to be hard for you to fight successfully. And so often we minimize prayer and we don't keep it at the top of the list. We got to keep prayer in the game because we got to be praying for one another. We got to be praying for instruction. We got to be praying for God to continue to lead and guide us as we fight this war. He says praying in the spirit. That in your mind is set on spiritual things. You're praying. Now some people interpret that that you may be praying in a prayer language. However you want to pray, I don't care. If you interpret that, that you got to pray in tongues, you pray in tongues if that's what's going to help you hear from God. Okay? I ain't got no problem with that. But what all I need for you to do is pray. I don't care if you pray in gibberish. Long as you're praying. Long as your spirit is trying to communicate with God. Long as you're communicating with the one who assigned you this task and the one who gave you the weapon. You need to talk to the one who supplied you with everything that you got. And then he says, now, good soldiers, you all arm it up, but you can't go to sleep on duty. You know, I'm told you my cop story. I was the defender of the base, a nuclear weapon site, holding, you know, the free world in my hand. They entrusted me with all them nukes. I don't know how many were them thing. They wouldn't tell us how many were. I know there's a lot of buildings up there we had to walk around up there. And I am the line of defense between the enemy and them nukes. And Latham, I'm sleeping on duty. I got all my armor on. I got my M16 and all my magazine rounds. I got my 38 at that time. I, you know, we didn't have flight vests then. All we had was some green fatigues and stuff like that. I got my vehicle. I got all the equipment that they gave me to come on duty. And then some of y'all got all of God's equipment on. Go to church, and before I finish you, you ain't sleeping with your eyes closed, but your mind is just gone. Just... Then you're going to wake up, how come I, can I win this? Why did I lose? You sleep. The enemy stole everything you pulled to get. You know why you was. It's a shame, Wayne, that we got to tell church people to stay up. Man, we got to always be on the ready. We can't let our guard down and go to and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. We've got to pray for believers everywhere. And you know what? It's a shame when you fall asleep in the 15-minute prayer. I mean, I know something guilty. I did once, twice myself. You know, somebody out there praying, and they go, they praying their heart out. You know, I'm back in the recliner. I was hanging with him for about 12 minutes, and the next thing I know, the line is gone. That don't happen often. That don't happen often. But it has happened. I went to sleep on the prayer warrior. And to me, that's sin. To go to sleep when I'm supposed to be helping someone wage war through prayer. They praying for someone who's sick with COVID now. Praying for somebody whose life is on the line. Praying for a family who done lost a loved one. In battle. Fully armored. But sleep. I don't know which is worse. Cliff, going to battle with no armor 
and lose, or go into battle fully armored and sleep and lose. Both of them bad, I guess. Well, in both cases, you lose. And this thing was designed for us to, for lose, to lose. It's designed for us to, to win. So the, the, he says you got to stay alert and be persistent. Persistent means you got to be able to do things in a consistent, continuous way. You just can't be haphazard when you're taking on these things in spiritual warfare. And so therefore we're talking about how do you triumph spiritually? And see, you understand, when you understand spiritual things, you're better equipped to fight spiritual war. Let me close with John 16, 33. John 16, 33. This is a part of scripture that I just want you to remember. We triumph spiritually when we embrace Jesus' victory as our own. See, Paul said it this way in Colossians 2, 15. Jesus disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them when he was nailed to the cross. In John 16, this was Jesus' last message to his sermon, the clothing of his last message as he was teaching his disciples before he was about to be crucified. Jesus already said he was going to win. Paul was talking about the victory after it had... Jesus was declaring victory while he was teaching his last... He saw victory before the fight was even over. And what I got to get you to see, because he won, you got to embrace his victory and you got to see victory while you're still fighting. You got to start talking like you don't won before the fight is even over. You ain't got to wait till you win to say you win. You got to say, I win even though I'm in the middle of the, in the middle of the fight. So this is what Jesus said. I'm only going to read verse 33, which is the climax of his upper room message to his disciples. He says, now, look, these things, you got to go back and read probably 14, 15, and 16 to see all of these things that he has spoke to them. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me, somebody say in me, you may have peace in me. While you're on the battlefield, you may have in me, while you're going through on your job, while you're going through in whatever that situation is, in me, you may have peace. You ain't got to wait till the storm is over to declare peace. You got to declare peace in me. It's not your peace. It's my peace that's going to get you through this. So you start embracing my peace before you even realize your peace. So he says, in me, you may have peace. He tells us straight up, in the world, you will have tribulation. In this world, in this space that we live in and we share with everybody else, you're going to have some trials, you're going to have some struggles, you're going to have tribulation. So he said, now look here, instead of Stacy, instead of focusing on all this stuff that's in the world around us, some of these systems are not designed to, you know, Further the gospel, some of them are designed to discredit the gospel. Some of them are not designed for you to succeed. But he said, look, in the world you're going to have that. Don't let that frustrate you. Don't let that cause you to lose your faith and to lose your hope. Because in me you have. When you got peace, you can sleep at night. When you got peace, you don't worry all day long. 
when you got peace, your, your soul, your spirit, your mind, you can find that tranquility in your life even when the world around you is all jacked. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the fact that in the midst of the trouble, I can still have my mind intact. I can still have my mind and not be so perplexed about what's going on around me that I can't even think straight. I can't even sleep. Can't even eat. Why? Because my mind is not being guarded by that salvation helmet. That helmet that's supposed to. In the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Somebody said cheer up. Be of good cheer. Look, we're tired of listening to sorry stories, sour stories. Be of good cheer. up. You're talking like a loser. You're talking like you don't know how you're going to make it through. You're talking like you're ready to throw in the towel. You're talking like you're ready to quit on the Lord when he said, in me, if you can't do nothing, else, just fine. Find peace. He says, be of good cheer, be of good courage. Why? Because I have overcome. He's still living, Wayne. He ain't even been to the cross to put principalities and powers down and triumph over them. He's still teaching, but he already see that I win this day. And because he see victory, you got to see victory. Even though you may be still going through it, or even though it's waiting out there for another war waiting on you out there, there's something out there that's waiting on you. But even before you get through it, you got to say, man, I overcame that. I don't care what the enemy throw at me. I understand his ways, his tactics. I don't care how he come at me. Because in the end, I win. Amen. You know, if I thought y'all was ready for it, I would have had a little baby in here. We would have been singing... We win right there. Him and Kurt, you know, they did that little Oscar winning thing for the map movie. He's just talking about winning. You know, just talking about winning is an attitude, man. Winning is something that you got to get down in your spirit and in your mind, and then you got to start carrying yourself like a winner. You got to start talking like a winner. Stop talking like a loser. Stop talking like, I don't know. Just stop talking in doubt, man. Stop acting. Stop. Look here. This is not the time to be timid. This is not the time to be a coward. This is not the time to be, you know. This is the time to be a conqueror. Maybe this is conquering season. This ain't no whipping out. This is, hey, look here. We win this thing. Jesus gave me a promise. He overcame the world, and he knew I can overcome. And because I know and believe that, that is cause for me to celebrate in his victory. I wasn't with him on the cross. But because I know he won, and I am a follower of him, I jump in the parade too. So when he go parading down the street, I jump right in that parade right behind him and, and get just a happy like out on, on that cross with him. I'm just, I'm celebrating his victory like it was my victory. Ain't nobody going to be able to separate me from him. So while he's being triumphant, I'm going to be shouting and dancing that, yeah, he won that thing. And because he won that thing, we going to win this thing. I'm going to get in his, on his coattail and say, God, you delivered him. You raised him. Therefore, you're going to deliver me and raise me too. So therefore, I'm a winner because Jesus was a winner. We're winners today. You've got to get that in your heart and your mind. You know, I remember back in the 60s when we were struggling for civil rights, 
something, Curtis Mayfield, the impression, made a song that set us all on fire in high school, Brother Melvin, called We're, We're Winners. You know, we're winners. That's all this song said, we're winners. And you know what? That same year, man, our basketball team used that song and they won the state championship. And do you know what we told Booker T. Washington High School? Because we all embraced their... We felt like we were all winners. And I got to get you to embrace Jesus' win. He won the greatest battle of all. You got to embrace that thing. You got to embrace it like it is your very, 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 very own victory. Give God some praise out of victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, you may be going through some things in your life that may be challenging, that may be struggles, but at the end of the day, you're going to triumph over everything that come against you. Because you're prepared, you done put on your armor, and you know that this is spiritual warfare. And you're prepared to tear down some strongholds in the hearts and minds of people. That's something that we ought to thank God for, preparing us to win. He didn't just throw us out in the battle, he prepared you to win. And now that you have been prepared to win, you just need to start winning. Start doing what you have been prepared for. And for some of you all, that's going to require a mindset change. You waiting for someone to show you on a natural way that you're going to win. And you're looking for someone to lay out the strategy step by step. You do this step, you do it. No, 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 no. Sometimes God can take you past some steps that other folks done laid out for you. You need to understand that God is the one who's preparing this strategy for me, and God is the one who is going to make sure that I win. Now, now, last thing, and I'm through preaching. If all we did was lose, why would God even endorse us? Why would he even put us in the game if all we're going to do is because if we lose, he loses. So why would God put losers in the game? If he put you in the, in the game, he know you got the potential to win. You better, you better embrace that thing. If he got you in the game, you have the potential It's easy for us to accept the potential of losing, but when it's talking about seeing winning, Wayne, we want to see the win before we accept it. I want you to accept it even before you're going through it. Like you said, Adrian, even before you. That's what faith is all about, accepting something as real before you even Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. 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 Every head bowed and every eye closed. We got several appeals we want to make. Thank God for his spirit. So my first appeal is for salvation. If you're here or you're online and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and you want to do that now, I ask you to please just Send us an instant message. 
Give us a call here to church, 862-850-1-862-3899. Or if you're in the house today, you can just raise your hand, and we'll definitely have our team to minister to you. If you're here or online and you want to give your life to Christ, please make that known. Yes, you're saying, I want to be saved, Pastor. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. He died so that I could be set free from all the things that would hinder me from being what God has called me to be. See no hands? My second appeal is for membership. If you're here and the Lord is speaking to your heart and you want to be a part of Striving for Perfection Ministry, we'd love to have you in God's family. We are the family of God and we thank God for bringing people across our path and into our ministry. And so if that is you, if you're online or if you're in the house today, I want you to please raise your hand. You're saying, yes, Pastor, I want to be a part of Striving for Perfection Ministries. I believe this is what God would have me to be. Please raise your hand. If you're online, again, please call 850-862-3899. You can hit extension zero, and that'll get you an answer when you call. Yes. There's a hand? Okay, I'm sorry, I missed that. Okay, if you would, Sister Pat, will you please come and gather your things real quick. They're going to take you to a room and get some information from you, and uh, we'll greet you in our own special way. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. 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 Then my third appeal right now is for prayer. If you have a prayer concern, I just ask that you raise your hand. If you're online, I ask that you can make them known. And if you make them known online, we will definitely put you on our prayer list and even give you a call if that's what you desire. But please send us the iMessage, an instant message, to let us know whatever your prayer concerns are. And I guarantee you, our, our prayer team will love to come in agreement with you and pray. If you're here today at this time, I just ask that you set your hearts and your mind on the truth of God's word to believe that he inclined his ear down to hear your prayers. He already knows what you have need of, but he still expects us to come to him before the throne boldly because we have a way back to God now because of Jesus. And so therefore your prayers can get through without, ever having, going through the, without having going through the high priest. The veil of the temple has been rent, so you've got access to a holy God on your own. In that battle armament, we saw that prayers are part of that. And everybody got the capability to pray. So let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you for your word that has gone forth today, God. We ask that you will continue to let this word resonate in our hearts and our minds, God. Let it take root, God, and bring forth fruit in this season. And God, even for those now as we come with prayer concerns, our prayer concerns may be many, all the way from sickness from love, of loved ones to overcoming grieving, the process of grieving, God, and even dealing with those who may be on that sick bed right now, God. If that's the case with members of our church or their family members, God, we lift them all up to you right now. God, pray that you will strengthen them and comfort them during this most trying time. But God, most of all, we want you to comfort their hearts and minds to let them know that you're the God of all comfort. And God, you're able to do all things. And so God, we thank you in advance. We thank you for those who are here today, God, and just got concerns in the general nature, God, that may be pertaining to job, their own health, God, their family life, whatever it may be, God, we pray that you would just incline your ear down to hear their prayer right now, God. Let them know that, that you're, uh, you are able to answer their prayers. And so, God, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do, and I just pray that you continue to lead us and guide us. And God, continue to inspire us to put on that whole armor every day so that we be, we'll be equipped for the world that you have assigned for us to live in. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Give the Lord a hand, clap of praise, if you will.